morning, my beautiful FCM family. I hope you and your family are having a gorgeous Sunday morning, and we welcome you to FCM. Today, I want to encourage you right up front in something that I say every Sunday morning here from our My FCM platform that breakthrough takes place in worship. So what does that mean? We don't want you to just sit back today from the comfort of your couch and not engage God, not press into his presence. We want you to make sure you're participating in the worship. So make sure that you and your family have your Bibles out, you've got a notepad, our journal to take some notes in because today Pastor Chris will be continuing his message on joy. And today we're really gonna be focusing on gratitude. So I know this message is not only timely, but it's life-giving. We love you and we are praying for you. And before we go any further, it would be my privilege to just usher us into God's presence today with a word of prayer. Would you join me? Lord God, we are just so thankful, Lord. We're so grateful for this beautiful Sunday morning. Your word declares that this is the day that the Lord has made, so we should rejoice and be glad in it. And in the name of Jesus, Lord, we proclaim that this time is dedicated to you, Lord. That, Lord, we want to just silence everything that is around us, Lord, and we want to concentrate on you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Secure from all alarms, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a fellowship, what a joy divine. Leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning safe and secure from all alarms leaning 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 on the everlasting arms
Hey Foundation, welcome, and I'm so glad to be with you. Thank you for all the encouragement, and I just want to encourage you back. I want you to know that the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Today we're talking about joy, and we're going to finish the second part to the joy message that's a part of the sermon series, Anxious for Nothing. Now I want to start off with a story I heard from Neil Mahoney. He's a columnist that wrote this story uh, uh, quite a while ago, but it's about a double-blind experiment that took place in the San Francisco Bay Area. There was a principal and he brought three teachers in and he said, I want to share something with you. You guys have been selected because you're the best and the brightest, most experienced teachers and have the best expertise of all the teachers in the district. And because of that, we're going to give you the best and the brightest students. These kids have scored the highest on their IQ and their testing, and we want to give you 90 of these best students. The year started off well. They were taking it at their own pace. And the more uh, uh, the year unfolded, the more joy they experienced. They really thoroughly enjoyed themselves. The kids were loving the teachers. The teachers were loving the kids. Well, the end of the year comes around and they blew the test scores out of the water. I mean, they had the highest marks possible. At the end of the year, the principal comes back and says, well, we've had a great year. How was it? The teachers looked at each other and said, we enjoyed it. I mean, we had a lot of joy in this, in this year. He said, I have a confession to make. The kids we gave you were not the best and the brightest. They were just run-of-the-mill kids that we pulled at random and put them in your classroom. The teachers looked at one another and said, well, that must mean we're great teachers. He said, I have a second confession to make. You guys aren't the best and the brightest teachers. We just pulled your names out of a hat at random and you're the first three names that were pulled. <laughs> well, they couldn't believe themselves. But what's the moral of the story? It's what I've been telling you. Joy, if you wanna feel joy and experience joy in life, it's closely tied to faith and hope. You've gotta believe that you are who God says you are and that he will keep his word to you and that his word is absolutely true. If you believe that, then hope will begin to rise in your heart and you'll have a firm, confident expectation of what tomorrow will bring and that is something good because God's in charge. And that's what I want you to know today. God is in charge and it's worth having joy. Now I want to remind you, we face a real enemy and the Bible says that, that that enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy your peace. He wants to destroy your joy. He wants to destroy your faith and your hope and ultimately that loving relationship with you and God. But the Bible says Christ comes to give you what? Life and that you might have it in the fullest way possible, in the most abundant way possible. The Bible tells us all sorts of things about joy, but the one thing I want you to grab is that joy and peace are your birthright as a Christian. It's the hallmark of a life dedicated to Christ and one that is saved. When you're saved, joy is a natural byproduct. Read with me what Peter says. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. I want you to mark that word. We have a, relation with, a relationship with Jesus even though we don't see him and even though we don't see the Holy Spirit, we feel it. Why? By faith. By faith, we come into this what? 
the salvation of our souls. Listen to what Peter says, verse nine. For you are receiving the end result of your faith. When you put your faith in, in Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit and the natural byproduct is joy. Now read with me what, what uh, Paul says to the Roman church. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. As you put your faith in him, you receive the power of the Holy Spirit and that comes with joy and peace. That it may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is incredible. What God is saying is the Holy Spirit, through your faith, will raise up and rise up hope within you and it'll be marked by joy and peace and that's what you need to overcome whatever obstacle the enemy puts in front of you, including what's been going on in the world these past few weeks. I wanna remind you that this is exactly what the Bible says over and over. In Psalms 94, it says, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. What does that mean? It means even as anxiety is trying to overtake, joy is the way you combat it. Psalms five verse 11 says, but all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them that all who love your name may be filled with joy. Listen, joy is what we need to be focusing on. You say, okay, pastor, you've convinced me. I want it, I want it. But how do I, how do I get it in a time like this? Well, we said last week, you've got to decide. You've got to make a decision. And today I want to cover three more points. So we're going to cover uh, points four, five, and six. We're going to add them to last week's message. And I want to read out of the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter four, verses four through seven, because it gives us our fourth point right here in this verse to the Philippian church by the apostle Paul. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Can I tell you, when you rejoice and you have joy, you chill out. And that chilled out nature is what other people see. Can I tell you, you can tell if you have joy by how you are acting in an everyday sense. Does, are people looking at you like, dude, you need to chill? Because if they're looking at you like, hey, you need to chill, then you can be sure you're having, a you're having some trouble with joy. Verse six, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. What Paul is saying here is this, rejoice. Let joy be what marks the way you live. And instead of getting worried, hit your knees and begin to pray to God. That means pray more than you worry. Pray more than you talk about it. Do that more than you do anything else. And your prayer should look a certain way. It should be filled with gratitude. That's point number four. Gratitude sparks joy. When you bring your request to God and say, Lord, I'm worried about this or I'm struggling with this, God, I'm gonna bring it to you, you've gotta start by being grateful because gratitude puts you in a position of faith. Gratitude puts you in a position of trusting God and it has hope rise up in your heart. What do I mean by that? I mean you can choose 
to look at the situation and say the glass is half empty or you can say, no, it's half full. God is still working in the midst of this trial. And listen to what the Apostle Paul says. When you do this, God's peace will fall over you. It transcends understanding, meaning this world doesn't get it. It's gonna be between us and God. Believers get peace from heaven. And the world will look at you and go, how can you be so chilled and so peaceful and rejoicing in the midst of trial? Well, that's because God is guarding my heart and mind. See, anxiety will start here, but it will settle here. And if you're not careful, the enemy will choke the life out of you. And some have told me when they have that anxiety panic attacks, it's like an elephant is sitting on their chest. Listen to what the Bible says. God will guard that if you turn to him with gratitude. Gratitude is so important. Before we leave today, our time together, I want you to turn to each member of your family, if you're listening by yourself, I want you to take a second before you move on to do something else and just begin to list everything that you're grateful for. Everything that you can say to the Lord, Lord, I know these things are challenging and going on. I'm not gonna talk about them. I'm gonna talk about the things that I know I can be grateful for. I'm gonna talk about my family. I'm gonna talk about the fact that you love me. I'm gonna talk about the fact that you saved me, that you've made, you've put me in this special time, that you've given me a home, you've given me a shelter, you've given me promises. Whatever it is, I want you to practice that. And I want you to just start being grateful. I'm reminded when I talk about gratitude about the old hymn that says count your blessings. Count them, name them one by one. Something remarkable begins to happen when you begin to name your blessings. All of a sudden your soul is lifted up. It's lifted up and you begin to be filled with confidence. Number two, or in our case, number five is generosity. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 11 verse 25. The generous will prosper. If you want to prosper, keep God's word and be generous. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. You'll be refreshed by friends and you'll be refreshed by God if you trust God's word. In a time of crisis, the last thing you want to do is pull back from God's word. You want to lean in and begin to trust even more than ever. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave, generously gave, his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That marks us as Christians when we give. When we trust God, our faith grows and our joy comes with it. I wanna remind you that you can trust the Lord because I truly believe the enemy uses hindrances or obstacles or attacks to keep us from connecting with joy. Now last week I shared with you three things that you can do to spark joy, but I also shared three things you've gotta overcome if you want that joy to be sparked because we face a real enemy. Today I'm gonna to share with you three things that we have to overcome as hindrances. Number one is doubt. The first thing the enemy's gonna do is he's gonna come in and he's gonna to begin to have you doubt God's word. Yes, but. I know it says that, however, these are interesting times. This is an exception. God is forgetting about you. God says that in normal times, but these are desperate times, and that's number two. He's gonna move from doubt to discouragement. 
He's gonna discourage you from trusting God's word once he gets you doubting. And then once discouragement sets in, it's a short step to despair. Despair is outright fear. Can I tell you, reject that and overcome that fear the way John says to overcome it by the love of God. Where God's love is, it drives out fear. And that's ultimately what he wants to affect. He wants to affect your relationship with God so that you begin to doubt, you're discouraged, you're, you despair, and you don't believe that God loves you enough to take care of you. Can I tell you, that's the last thing you want to give in to. Trust in the Lord. Believe in him. Listen to what Psalms 91 says. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Listen to what the Bible just said. You live in the shelter. That means you live under his protection, away from the calamities of the world, away from the, from the stresses and the things that are coming out. You know, I used to watch this show where people would go out into the woods and try to survive without anything. And the first thing they go to build is a shelter. Because anyone knows you've got to get out of the elements. Can I tell you, you have a shelter and it's, it's in the presence of the Most High and you can trust that shelter. You will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare. Can I tell you, you've got to get You've got to get on your knees and begin to declare. You've got to get up off your knees once you stop praying and continue to declare. You've got to start walking in faith and continue to declare. Declare what? Listen to what the psalmist says. I will declare. That means I'm going to get my mouth agreeing with my actions. And then once I start speaking it, then my actions start agreeing with my mouth. And it's a behavioral loop. I believe it. I walk it. I believe it even more. And I walk it even stronger. And the more I walk it, the more I believe it. And the evidence is what's created by the, by the, by the synergy of believing and walking. So this I will declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God. I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. Can I get an amen? He will protect you from daily, uh, deadly disease. Now, I want to share with you that this is so, so very important, especially now, because people are not having a generous attitude in many cases. People are stockpiling all sorts of things. It's hard, uh, especially when this first thing started rolling out. But can I tell you, this is an opportunity to show our children and show our family that we are not subject to the world's way of doing it and the world's economy, but we are kingdom people. We are kingdom minded. We believe that our God will not let us down, that we can stand in faith. Someone kind of said to me, Pastor, I don't know if I'm gonna be tithing. And you know, that's, this is not what I'm, what I'm trying to say to you, that, that, that you know what, I want you to give more. This isn't a ploy to, to, to get from you. This is, a, this is a desire for me as your pastor to encourage you to walk in faith now more than ever. 
Someone said, Pastor, I don't know if I'll be tithing because I gotta see what's going on. I gotta see and make sure I have enough. Can I tell you, if you put your, if you put your confidence in your own strength, that's not gonna go very far. Now more than ever, we need to practice the principles of God's word. The Bible says that he works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But I, can, I, can I tell you the key? The key part there is those who love him, meaning they trust him, and they're called according to his purpose. They stay with the kingdom agenda. They don't transfer over into the world agenda. And that's what the enemy does. He creates a storm to see who freaks out and who will leave the shelter of the Most High. As for me and my house, I want to serve the Lord. Now more than ever, I'm going to double down on God. Lord, now more than ever, you are showing me I need you more in times when times are tough. Now more than ever, I'm going to trust you more because I want to come out of this having grown in my faith, having grown closer to my family, having grown in my relationship with you, Lord, developing an even, an even deeper prayer time learning how to rejoice in the midst of trial. I'm looking at this and I'm saying, okay, Lord, you have just put me in a spiritual gym. Now, I don't like working out very much. I've told you this before. This right here is kind of natural. And the only, the, the older I get, you go, this right here is kind of, <laughs> my wife is laughing on the front row, believe me. But there was a time where, when I was young, it was just, I had muscle tone and, it, and, it, and I didn't have to work out too much. Now I'm having to work out, I'm having to walk, I'm having to take care of my health in a different way as I get older. But you know what I, I, I really welcome? Not the time to work out with physical weights, the time to work out with spiritual weights. And this time is providing a perfect opportunity to exercise what we say we believe. And so the Bible says, I'm going to keep reading in that nine, Psalms 91, if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. Foundation, can you walk in generosity? Because generosity is a mark of faith. Can you walk in faith and say, Father, I trust in you. I know it's, there's uncertain times, but one thing I am certain of, you have never broken your word and you're not about to start now. I trust you, Lord. I trust you. Which leads me to the end of the message. Hebrews 4, verse two and three says this. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. What the author of Hebrews is saying, the gospel was preached to all of us who believe, but also to those that don't believe. They've heard it. But what's the difference between us and them? Listen. But the word which they heard did not profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith. It wasn't mixed with faith for those who heard it. Can I tell you, it takes faith to walk out what you believe. And this is the time to put it into practice. That's point number six. Put it into practice. What do I mean by that? Well, the Bible says in Philippians chapter four, we're gonna continue reading where we left off. Finally, brothers and sisters, 
whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, if it is lovely or admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And here it is again, the promise. And the peace of God will be with you. The peace of God will be with you. So I wanna encourage you to walk out your faith. And I also wanna encourage you with a story from our lives. Now every year we go to SPI, which is South Padre Island, and we enjoy a time of spiritual renewal, uh, emotional and physical renewal, and we just, we just gather our family there, and, and we just so much enjoy it. And every year we walk by, the, by uh, a sandcastle as we take our walks on the beach, that a certain person does. It's a huge, beautiful sandcastle, and it says South Padre Island, and it gives the year. Well, one particular year, this family that builds this sandcastle sand over two or three days was set up right next to our tent. And we saw them start to work on it one, one day. They worked through the night into the next day, and they did this beautiful sandcastle that said S-P-I and gave the year. They finally left, that was their last day there. They took off and everyone on the beach was enjoying it, including the little kids. And it wasn't long before these little vultures started coming around and coming around the sandcastle. And it's like they couldn't control themselves. They were drawn to it. There's something beautiful about seeing cre uh, uh, us create something. I get that. We all wanna build something. We all wanna create a life. We wanna build a life. But we gotta be careful what we're building. Now this is what happened. The kids started throwing the ball next to it. They wanted to touch it. And I started getting on my kids. And I said to my son particularly, honey, get away from that. That cost that man a lot of time and a lot of energy. And look how pretty it looks. Stop messing with it. And he looks at me and says, the waves are going to knock it down eventually. And I just couldn't keep him away from it. Finally, it dawned on me. Because I felt like God just said, why are you protecting a sandcastle? And you're about to get on your son and create this, this, this really negative moment between you and your son. Let him be a kid. There's something greater than the sandcastle. So it wasn't long before that sandcastle was a huge mound. And I have a picture and hopefully I can find it to show it. Uh, share it with you. My son's on the top of the sandcastle posing like this going, yeah, and I'm just loving it. And I'm thinking to myself, guys, is this God's way of saying we've been building sandcastles and focusing on the wrong things? Well, the Bible says that he works all things for the good of those who love him. I believe you, Lord. And I pray that you decide to stand in faith with me and to say, Lord, I want to come out of this experience better for it. I want to exercise my faith. I want to recalibrate, reprioritize, and Lord, I need to focus on what's most important because yes, I've been building things and yes, I've been doing all these things but it may not last the in the end. I want to focus on what's going to last. I want to focus what on you, my family, my faith, my hope, my love relationship with you. Mine. And I want it to be expressed Leaning in joy. Foundation, I love you. The everlasting arms. 
KMIFC, we are so thankful that you chose to worship with us today. Now, Pastor Chris challenged us to spend some time before we left our worship experience to thank God for something that he's done for us today. You know, it is good to be a grateful people. And we can acknowledge as believers that everything that we have comes from him. You know, Pastor shared with us that God so loved the world that he gave. God loves and he gives us because he loves us, FCM. So in saying that, I want to encourage you, look for ways throughout this week to be a blessing to others. You know, in this season, it's it's so tempting to pull back, but we have to remember that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Let's exercise that faith and show the love of Christ to our neighbors. Let's also be faithful in giving to God because he has truly given us so much. If you've made a decision to accept Christ or be baptized, we would love to hear about it. At FCM, our mission is to be Christ-like disciple makers, and we have a team of individuals who would love to pour into your life. So click the link below and let us know. Have a great week, my FCM, and we cannot wait to worship with you next Sunday.